1: Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. One of the things I enjoy most about producing this podcast is the opportunity to connect with people all over the world with whom I would never otherwise connect. Our guest today falls into that category for sure. Her name is Smitha Gunturi, and she is a woman's advocate and podcast host, who has overcome just an incredible amount of adversity over the course of her life. And while we don't discuss communication specifically all that much, Smitha does share a number of life lessons that can inform how we can communicate more effectively in difficult situations. The importance of empathy, for example, or as Smitha puts it, seeing things from someone else's perspective. And along the way, Smitha shares a poignant moment when she learns a terrible truth from her son and explains that sometimes the most difficult conversations are the most important to have. Enjoy. Thank you, Smitha, for joining us today. I like to start off, uh, even though this is a podcast about communicating in difficult, more effectively in difficult situations, I have a fascination with where families come from and ancestry, and I'm a big uh, supporter of immigration. I like to start off by asking where you grew up and how you made your way here to the United States.
2: I grew up in Southern part of India, close to Chennai. I'm like three hours away from Chennai. Uh, if anybody knows Chennai uh, in your listeners, yeah, they could really figure it out how close I am. Uh, born and brought up in the same place. And for education, I went like a little bit here and there, but it is in and around the same place and same kind of language, everything. But I started my uh, career uh, into IT field because uh, I have done my master's in computer sciences. And that gave me an opportunity to get into IT field, which gave me an opportunity to be at, in U.S., it's been around uh, 13, 14 years that
1: I am in the U.S. right now. You mentioned you're in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Now, did you grow up wanting to emigrate to the U.S. or elsewhere, or was it really just this work opportunity that brought you here?
2: It's kind of both, I can say. Initially, with whatever the things that were going around uh, with my uh, married life. My brother, my own brother. I have an elder brother. He came to U.S. uh, before me, and he settled. And uh, with everything that was going with me and my family, and I just wanted to run away from everything. Mm -hmm. So I started like only focusing on the career, building it to a place where I can just leave everything and be wherever I want to be. So that's where that idea came in. Like I wanted to leave the country. And to be honest, like at the point, I don't know that opportunities exist in different parts of the world. I'll be honest with that. I'm so naive and like, yeah, I don't have any knowledge about outer world or anything. Since my brother is here with his education and I know his background and what kind of an education that he came here, I just followed the same footsteps and I came here through my work.
1: You mentioned your married life and we will talk more about your own podcast, the Journey podcast, a little later, but... In what I've learned about you before coming on to the show today, I know that you have endured a lot of pain, uh, hardship, um, abuse at the hands of more than one men, homelessness, losing a child, thoughts of suicide, and that you have persevered and seem to have just an amazingly positive outlook on life.
2: <laughs> you, you summed up everything into one sentence and asked a <laughs> <my> question. <laughs>
1: And we can break that apart if you want to talk a little bit oh. about your background and sort of the journey, your own journey that, that got you to this place.
2: So, but uh, as you just mentioned, like, yes, it, it, it has started with the child abuse around when I was like seven years old. Up until 17, I was abused by four different men, different ages, but it, it is in the same house, known people, and a couple of them are family. Yeah. After that, it was the way of looking at me is like, okay, I don't have the security in my own house. And I met my ex-husband in the college and he used to express his interest in me continuously. And uh, though I was not interested, I told him like many times that I was not interested. He was so, so much into like, yeah, pursuing the same thing again and again. It was about like six years after I told him like, okay, if you are so much interested in me, let's go talk to my parents instead of We don't have a concept of dating at all. Yeah, we have to go back to our parents to talk about like, yeah, we are interested to get married. So yeah, we are going to get married. And again, like it it depends on the parents if they are going to agree for it or not. Uh, We were able to, it's just not me actually. He was able to um, make arrangements with both the parents and they agreed for us to get married and we got married. The first day of my marriage, he was like, You said that you don't like me at all. But again, you came back to me getting married to me right now. And now I'll show you what life is. You are at my foot. What the exact words that he was like, you are at my foot right now. Let me show you what life is because you'd never loved me. You don't want to love me or anything, but you still married me anyway. I don't know what that is. Having that aside, why I really like, yeah, married him was for the six years that he was roaming around me. My family or like the people around me started noticing that there is another guy that was like interested in me that wanted to get married, but nothing to do with any kind of an abuse or anything. So slowly the other men started going away or like stepping out of my life because they always see this guy being around me and they know that uh, he wanted to marry me. So they don't have guts to actually come to me and talk to me. That gave me the security that I was looking for ages.
1: Right, so it was, he was some sort of, uh, seemed to be a protector.
2: That's how I felt, and that's, that's the reason, only reason that I wanted to marry him, though it is not like I loved him or anything. So I, He doesn't know any of this story, behind story or anything, but I just told him, like, yeah, as long as my parents approve, I'm fine to marry you. That's what my answer to him. So he was able to get through, and yeah, we got married, and it seems like since I was saying no to him for so long, He married me for the sake of marrying. The minute he got married, he used to have multiple affairs and he has, he is like a different personality altogether from the person that I know from before marriage and after marriage. So when you ask me a question like, yeah, what is that one thing or the secret of life? I would say like no expectations from anybody. That is the most secret for anybody. Trust me, whoever is your listeners are. The minute you start expecting things to happen or like for somebody to do it. For example, in my case, I can expect like, why not my parents help me in this situation? Why not my brother help me in this situation? They know the story. They know what is happening. But trust me, everybody is helping in their own capacities. They can't process what is happening to you. They might see, they might feel that empathy or they might feel like, okay, this girl is suffering or whatever but it will be in their capacities. The more you start expecting from them, the more you are disappointed and you yourself will feel like you can't do anything. First, cut off those expectations from anybody, I would say. The reason for me is, yes, when I really had all these sufferings, I heard my dad speaking to my mom saying like, I know uh, this girl is like suffering a lot with all these things, but I cannot accept her as a divorcee. Instead, I would prefer her to be dead. I don't really care.
1: And is this something that, forgive me, I, I don't know much about India or Indian culture, but is this cultural phenomenon? Yes. Yeah. So yes. it's, it's not uncommon uh, for women to, to suffer these kinds of abuses.
2: Yep. It is like a normal thing. In every other house, you will see like, yeah, husband abusing or even sometimes it might be wife abusing as well. And the parents won't support a place where the girl can actually stand up by herself and take a divorce and walk away from her life, lead her life, there won't be any support like that. At least for me, there is no support. So what? when I started understanding things from their perspectives, like, okay, my father doesn't have the strength to face the society, having me as a divorcee. And my brother is so unknown, of, uh, unknown or like not aware of any of these problems because he's out of the country completely. How far can I really expect them to help me in my situations? When I'm sitting, and not doing anything and crying every single day that, yes, my life is not getting better. When I'm not doing anything for myself, how can I expect someone else to do it for me? Even if they do it, will I really understand the value of what they're doing to me? Okay, my brother can come and tell me like, okay, if you want to come here, go do whatever this is. I can take care of you. But once I'm doing that or like I did that, let, let him take care of it. Okay, he is taking care of that at that point. Something else will come back into my life. And again, I'm going to expect him to step into further situations. How long am I going to keep expecting that from him? So that is where I started building up my own life. When I was married, I was not doing any kind of a job. I was, I did not even did, uh, had my higher education as master's or anything. After my first year of marriage, I was already like having my uh, son by 11th month of my marriage my son who was right now with me. The minute he was born and with all these things going downhill, I saw the people are like, my in-laws are that side of the family, the way they are treating me and my son. One day I was sitting at a corner of the house and then I felt like, you know what, if I'm sitting here and keep crying every single day, nothing is going to change. What can I do to better myself? The first part or like the first idea or known thing for me is like education. That is the only thing that I have in my hand at the time. I thought like, okay, let, let me enroll back into the school and see like what I can do. My husband never supported me going back to the school. He said like, I'm not going to pay a single dime for you. I don't care whether you study or not. You're not going, you're not stepping away anywhere. So I started looking for money. I, there was gold given to me as a dowry in our marriage. I gave back to my mom and I asked her like, can you pledge this somewhere and get me some money? I don't care what it is, where it is and all. She took the uh, gold back and she pledged it in a bank and she got a loan for me on her name. She gave it to me. I enrolled back into the school and my brother was getting getting married at that time. And my sister-in-law gave me a gift as like some kind of money for me. She said like, yeah, I'm giving it to my sister-in-law is my classmate. Actually, we both were like really good friends. She was like, I know your situation. So let me help you for your education. If you really want to let me give you something. That gift came in cash kind of a thing for me, which I paid for my school enrollment. I started my education back. I completed my master's, and as soon as I was almost getting done, I was campus interviews done and got my job. I never turned back. or looked into anything after.
1: So it sounds as though the change had to start with you or the, the desire, uh, but once you made that decision, then you found help, your mother and your sister-in-law and... Your brother as well.
2: If you start putting the work for what you wanted to see the change for, absolutely, the other people will recognize that and understand that at some point, whatever they can help at that moment, yes, they will. If not, also, you will definitely find other ways to help yourself. You don't have to wait and feel bad for yourself in that situation. Everybody will have their own time. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can make it.
1: Now, when you came here to the U.S., did your husband come with you or did you leave him behind?
2: Not immediately, actually. I came alone first. In two months, my mom brought my son here. By then, he understood, like, yes, I'm um, prepared to leave him and he is not coming here. That's when he started talking about what is going on between us. We never, I never really spoke about what is going on between us to anybody. Not None of the relatives know or nobody ever need, has known, like, what is happening with us. But uh, once I left the place and came here, he started going to all my relatives and talking about like, yeah, she's uh, doing this, she's doing that, whatever that he can uh, build up the story. And he's like, I did so many mistakes to her. Uh, I was having affairs here. I did everything wrong and I'm a changed person. Now I understood her value being her away from me and whatever the story he can cook up. He started going to everybody after a year, he joined me back here. So yes, he did come here and uh, yeah, initially for a month maximum, it was okay. Once he came in, he came in as a dependent on me because he was not working and he doesn't have education or anything. He is a dependent on me. He came here and uh, first one month was like for him to really observe what is U.S. or like what are the things around how things work and everything. And after that, it went back to the original way and yeah, it, it was again like a big crash.
1: So it was here then that a uh, very touching moment occurred between you and your son. Uh, tell us about that.
2: One day I was actually talking to my son and uh, he he was about to like go take a shower. And I asked him, like, okay, he was what, seven and a half, eight years old. I believe my son was eight years old at that time. I was asking my son, like, okay, are you really scrubbing your back? When you are taking a shower, I just have to see uh, one time. Just leave the bathroom door open. Let me come in. He was like, no, 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 you're not coming today. I'll do it tomorrow. I will do it in another time. I was just playing with him, tickling him and saying like, yeah, what is happening with you? Why should not I come? You You are not dating your mom and whatever. The minute I just hugged him hard, he squealed a little different. I was like, what's going on? Why are you squealing? And while I was asking itself, I removed his shirt and there was a TV remote imprint on his back. I asked, like, what is happening? He could not, my son is like a very, very naive innocent child, actually. He he never speak back, he never shout, or he don't even cry loud. He was so silent, he was like closing my mouth, and he'll, don't say it out loud, don't say it out loud. I was like, what is happening? No, not, no, not, no, tomorrow, tomorrow. I could not really understand, but yeah, I just left that moment. I, I did Understand a little bit, yes. There is something that has to do with my husband, so I did not speak much. The next day, I told my husband like, okay, I'm, I have to leave to office uh, sooner than uh, the regular timings, so I'm going to drop our son at school. So I picked up my school, my son, and I. When I was taking him to the school, I asked him like, what's happening? Seems like he is beating my son without me noticing. Hmm. Whenever I'm not at home, which is in between like my son come back from school around three o'clock. Uh, up until six I won't be home for the three hours my husband is torturing my son saying like I'm going to kill you and your mother in sleep if you are going to tell her anything that I'm asking and he is making my son to spy on me and what I'm doing Mm -hmm. whom am I talking to whether I'm really going to office whatever the things unnecessary things that you don't have to talk to the child that's what happened While he was explaining, my son asked me a question, like, mom, if you really think I need a father, do you think you see the person? That, at that moment, really hit me so hard. And I asked, like, I I just stopped the car in the road and I asked him, like, do you know what you're talking about? And he said, like, yes, mom, I know a lot of my friends have single moms and nobody ever cried being a single mom or anything. But with this guy, I'm crying every night. And I understood with his words, my son was not even sleeping. It's been a long time that he slept in, in the in house. Mm-hmm. or like He has that peace of mind or anything. That really gave me like, yeah, this is it. I, I just can't take it anymore. For years, yes, I was getting beaten. I was getting whatever the abuse that you name it, I have it. And if I'm like seeing my son also in the same situation, there is no point in being with that guy anymore. So I, I promised my son like, yes, let's do it. I'm not going to hurt you anymore. So yeah, we are going to leave. He was so happy. He was so, uh, you have to see his face like it it was so pleasant. And he has this smile on his face like, yes, we are going to leave him. From that day onwards, I used to stay upstairs. I just used to drop like a couple of clothes down onto my car or like besides my car because I can't really carry a bag of clothes outside without him noticing. I used to drop a few clothes. Whenever we come down, we just like yeah, shove it under the car or like yeah, putting it in the trunk. I managed in whatever the way that I can to pick a few dresses for him and for me. I just left town without even telling him anything. I just picked my son on one Friday evening. I just left town. That's when I was like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know whom to even call and ask for help. The biggest thing is like, I can't ask for help because all through my mind is like, okay, you're not going to expect anything from anybody.
1: Well, what a brave and mature thing for your son to do. That's... And, and not just for himself, but for you as well. That, that's, that's just amazing. Well, let's turn to the topic of this podcast a little bit. Now that we know some of your background, you have a website and I was reading some of your blog posts and I noticed that one of them that you, you wrote about five things that keep us from living our dreams, which uh, you listed as shame, guilt, self-doubt, fear, and they can be not just barriers to sort of living our dreams or or being our best selves, but also to communicating effectively in difficult personal situations. You see how I turn that around back to the topic at hand. So tell us about how we can overcome those barriers and become better communicators, but also just generally better better people.
2: We all have that self-doubt or shame for the things that we haven't done, are we another reason for? One thing that I would say to everybody is like, yes, the first step is always hard. You can't even imagine how hard it is. Like, the self doubt questions are the questions that you will have is like, you, you will feel like, yeah, this is the end of the world. You can't really move forward. But one thing really is like, it's your life. If anybody is actually looking, into it they are looking at that one chapter of your life or like one place of your life they are not really walking with you every single piece of it even if they are walking with you besides you they are not actually living with you they don't know what your mind capacity is they don't know what your strengths are they don't know why you are suffering you they don't know your triggers those are all your personal things it's it's in you to build that to take that first step to come out of all those things, shame, guilt. If you don't have luck, if you don't have confidence. For example, again, my podcast thing, I'm terrified of talking to people. You don't believe the place I lived from past like eight years. I have only one family that are known to me. I don't make friends. I don't talk to people because I'm I'm scared of their judgmental feeling. Like yeah, the minute they walk in, the first question would be like yeah, where is your husband? I am so much uncomfortable with that question. I can't explain them. Yes, I can't. And tell them uh, saying like, yes, I'm a divorcee. I'm a single mom. I can't say that out loud by myself. But the first time when I said I was dying inside, yes, I'm a single mom. So yeah, I don't have a husband here. It's just me and my son. The more you keep talking about yourself, you get comfortable. That is your story. That is what your life is. Be proud of what you are. Nobody else is living your life. Nobody else can live your life.
1: Talk to me a little bit about the different ways that People communicate back in your home country and then here too, because I specialize in a field called risk communication, which involves the skills and techniques needed to communicate effectively in difficult situations. And some of them are verbal, but a lot of them are nonverbal what you do with your eyes, your hands, your clothing, and other things. And when I work with people, I always make a point. Of the importance of considering cultural differences, of, of knowing your audience. And if there are going to be cultural differences that you need to be aware of, you know, that has to, you have to take that into account. So I'm I'm always interested to know, you know, how how different forms of communication vary, you know, from culture to culture. I would imagine, for example, that. You were afraid to share that you were a divorcee and a single mom because back home, that's obviously something that is, maybe it's too easy to say frowned upon, you know, really just almost rejected. Here in the US, it's so common that I'd imagine it's a very different experience, but I'll let you talk about what you've discovered.
2: I'll be honest, the first reason that I chose to come here is that that is the only reason for my mind, in my mind, as I mentioned before, like, yes, I wanted to leave that guy. And I can't live in India being a divorcee there. Culturally, as you just mentioned, like more than frowned upon, it is the way the people look at single female is like, she's an easy get. Anybody and everybody will be there around you just to keep trying and irritate you for every little bit. You understood what I mean, right? So yeah, for that thing to escape that thing, I don't want my son to see me into that situation every second. For sure, I'm not interested to be there uh, as a mother. Like, yeah, if he is continuously seeing me going down, like, yeah, this guy is like behind me or like that guy is harassing me. This guy is like abusing me for anything. I don't want my son to have only that kind of an image about men around. Because I, I know my dad, I know my brother. They are excellent people, actually. My dad is a very, very soft person. My brother is like so strong inside. But again, like he's... He he he's like a very close and nice person to, to the family. He helps everybody around him. When I'm having two men that I've grown up with very well, and because of my husband and where I'm going to live, I choose to live, my son is going to see, he saw my husband only. And then the remaining throughout his life, he's going to see the other men outside in the world, there where I'm going to live. I don't want him to think like, okay, this is okay. Or this is how it has to be. I want him to learn and be a better person than where I was. So, yeah, that is biggest, biggest difference in the culture that I can say. The other one is like, even for the family's functions, for example, even here, I faced that, to be honest, even coming here, uh, it's not about being like Indians being in America, I can say, even they were doing the same thing after coming here, knowing these many people are like, yeah, this culture or whatever that is, you are not allowed to be in any function being a single mother. They don't invite you. They don't, even if you are invited by the host, for example, the other people who were there in there, they will not talk to you. They will insult you in any way possible that they can. I faced all these things myself, actually.
1: So what advice would you give to women who find themselves in a situation like yours, in an abusive relationship? What can and should they do? And perhaps particularly from a communication standpoint, but also just generally?
2: I would first say the foremost important thing that I feel at least is be financially independent. Do not be dependent on anybody for any reason. The more you are financially independent, you, have, you can find like a million ways to grow yourself, be it your career, be it your personal growth. You can invest yourself into something and you can pay for yourself. You can do whatever you want be financially independent, have that confidence. Yes, you, you will do many mistakes in the life, but it is you deciding at that point, it is your choice, your life. Yes, you will be fine with it. You are going to learn, grow and evolve every single day. So do not be afraid to take that and be independent.
1: And what else can you share, if anything, from what you've learned and your experiences about communicating Effectively in difficult situations, that I get the impression that you didn't really have many people to turn to at first to express yourself. Although, as we discussed earlier, you did once you made the decision to go back and get your degree, uh, you did find support from your family. If there's anything that you would like to share about communicating, I'm sure my listeners would love to hear it.
2: It's more than communicating. I would say, like the you have to find the right people to really talk to. Not everybody understands what you are going through, even if you explain. Sometimes there won't be possible words to explain. I'll give you another example. Like yeah, Though my mother was supportive um, with my married life, last year I got an opportunity to write my story for a magazine and they published it in uh, Women's Day uh, special edition. I made my mom read that she was with me at the time and I asked her to read it. She read it, she just closed the laptop and she walked away. She did not say a single word to me back. My son pulled her back and uh, he made her sit and he was like, she took so much time to write that thinking that what you would think, what her brother would uh, feel about her writing her story out like this. I had a conversation with my son before I even wrote that. And I told him like, I'm going to write everything about my life. He's like, that's okay, mom, go ahead. But I was not having that open conversation with my mom or it's like my brother won't even accept anything so far. He's like at that denial point still. He mm-hmm. he doesn't even talk to me about any of those things still. So yeah, for my brother, it does not exist at all. Though my mom is right in front of me, I was not, am I really not comfortable? I don't know. I never had that conversation with her. So she just, I, once I started stepping out of that comfort zone and I asked her to read it, she read it and she closed and walked away when my, uh, Son was like, why are you not even responding anything? Her only question, uh, thing was like, okay, I read it. So what's there? Again, he brought her back and he was like, no, you, you have to tell what exactly are you thinking? Her question back to me was like, why enough? I asked her, what do you mean by why enough? The way she expressed it is like, whatever happened in my childhood, they kind of know it, but they were not able to help. I'm not trying to blame them. As I said, like, yeah, they are going to help. Anybody is going to help you in their own capacities in their own way that they can process those things with. She kind of know them. She was not able to admit to that. Being one of the person is like her own brother. So she don't want to talk about it. Now that I openly talking about it, she's like, I have to go back to my family and face my family today. But you chose to write about it now. And at this this age, being around 80, is it really needed for me? I'm like, it's not your part to decide whether you need it or not. It is my story. I lived with that closed thing for 45 years. Be happy. At least I'm opening it now. Whether you like to take it or not is your problem, not mine. If you think your brothers are going to be hurt with this, ask them to behave better first. You know what is happening. Now that I understand, you already know what happened. So you just gave a blind eye. You don't want to talk about it because it is your family. So yeah, communicating more than communicating. I would say like communicate with the right people at the right time. That is more important. Sometimes you are you are going to get hurt a lot through communication. It's not going to solve your problem. It might even mess up the situation. So be ready for both side of outcomes, and go talk about whatever you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I think it means it's it's really more for you than for the other party. If it makes you helps you to process what you've been through, that's what's important. And we can't do anything about the other side of the street. I mean, we can only yes, keep our own absolutely. clean. And I would imagine that your mom probably feels uh, some of that guilt and shame that we talked about earlier over her inability to, to help you, to protect you, you know, for whatever reason. And certainly they're you know, probably from her standpoint, culturally, and you have some, some good reasons that she, she just couldn't do what yeah. I'm sure she would have liked to be able to do.
2: A couple of weeks back is the first time she mentioned like, I have to feel proud my, for myself. That's her statement to start a call with me. And I was like, what's going on? What did you do? For the first time, I said to somebody that you are, a divorced. You, are, you are a divorcee. I'm like, what? Yeah, this is the first time I ever admitted that you are a divorcee to someone else. This is the first time I said, like, yes, she is living all alone by herself. She's single. And it's been like, what, 15 years that I left my husband. And this is the first time my mom is admitting that to someone else. There it you go. It yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it took a long time, but there's some Progress there. Yeah, yeah,
2: it is
1: what it is, Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your life story. And I'm just delighted that you are in such a good place now and that you came here to this country, which I still believe is the best place in the world. Before we go, I do want to give you a chance to tell us about your podcast, the Journey Podcast. When did you start it and what is it about?
2: I started it a year ago, exactly last January. 2021 January that was a again like a different story why I started it I am working as a woman advocate as I mentioned before uh, for about like six or seven years the work that I do with women for that title or whatever you want to call it as is like whoever is going through divorce doesn't want it to go through divorce doesn't know the avenues how to move forward with it where to even start I guide them throughout the process because I know how hard I have I digged I got the information and I reached out to people and etc. So I, I tell them like I give all the information that I have I tell them like yeah go talk to these people do this do that, like whatever suggestions that I can with my example on what I have done with whatever they are explaining it to me so that that was the work I started I've been doing that for quite a while. One day, my son came to me, showing me one uh, YouTube video where uh, thirteen kids were sexually abused by their family. All were teenage kids. He was just—he got that video and he was like, "Look at these monsters! I don't understand how these people will do this to kids." He was showing that video, and less than two minutes into the video, I started sobbing. I didn't even know—I didn't realize that I was. I even cry watching Tom and Jerry, actually. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I do I I, He he stopped the video and he was like I know that you even cry for cartoons also but yeah this crying seems entirely different. Is there something wrong with you mom something happened with you. I did not say a single word uh, for about two hours. He was just like pampering me sitting right next to me he was 17 year old at the time 17 or 16. He was pampering me saying like No, I mean, if you have something, if you want to talk about it, you can talk to me. You don't have to worry about it. He was pampering me like as if he's my dad. He was holding me. He was like cuddling with me. And he was like, after two hours or so, I I got words like, yeah, something like this happened to me when I'm a child. And even then, nobody was there for me. And I know what those kids are going through. That's it. He did not ask me a question. He sat with me for the entire night. I was crying. He was there. And not even a single word about it the next day or anything as if nothing happened he he had nothing or anything for next six to eight months he took his own time and the words that he put to me is asking to ask questions or anything he made me actually to speak about everything Mm he he worked like my therapist I can say Mm -hmm. he's like okay what it's not like a straightforward question okay tell me what happened like yeah who did this to you nothing like that I, I don't even know how to explain that but He had his way to get to me in a different, different conversation. He'll just divert one question in between. And again, he acts like as if it is nothing. There is nothing emotionally connected there. Yeah, he heard my answer and he's done with that question and answer. He moves forward with something else. Mm. Likewise, it took like around eight months for me to actually admit completely. Yeah, This is what happened. These are the people or anything. After the last day or like after a point, he understood like, yeah, there is nothing much more than this. That's when he asked me, like, Mom, you are already doing this kind of work for the people that are actually getting connected with you as one-on-one. Why don't you do it in a better way for the people, like, more, for for, for more people to hear your story? You have so many things to share, and somebody might might use your experiences to better themselves. And I was like, yeah, what, what should be doing? And I got this idea. I used to hear a lot of podcasts. Then I asked, like, yeah, why not do it a podcast? And he said, like, do it as a video podcast, because if people are hearing to the stories, they usually wanted to see your face. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested, do it as a video podcast. And he taught me the scenes behind how I can do the technicalities, how to produce a podcast, how to edit a video, every little piece of it. And now I'm here.
1: We'll encourage everyone to watch. Smitha (laughs) Guntari's podcast, The Journey Podcast, uh, produced and created by your son.
2: (laughs) No, actually, I I worked through it. He taught me everything.
1: Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah, having me. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this first new episode of 2022. To learn more about Smitha and the services she provides, please visit her website at www.smithagunturi.com. That's S-M-I-T-H-A-G-U-N-T-U-R-I.com. If you have any thoughts or ideas for topics you'd like us to cover in the future, or you have a question you'd like to ask, please send an email to WTSWTGT at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. WTGT. Finally, as always, a big thank you to Jim Cirillo of jimiumgroup.com for our original music and to Rachel Greenberger for our original art. Until next time, always be positive.